Hey, everybody, this is Gray from American Citizens. How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out fanessentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to. Each fan box comes packed full with some amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just $34.99. Visit fanessentials.net and use promo code CITIZENS16, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N-S-16, at checkout for 30% off your first month. Visit fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need, U.S. listeners only. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a post-West Ham edition of American Citizens. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh, who is currently fending off a bunch of angry Liverpool fans on our Twitter account. Um... But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the West Ham game, which was interesting. First and foremost, hello, Josh. How are the Liverpool fans doing? They're doing well. They're doing well. They're they're definitely avoiding the uh, the uh, the issue at hand, which is why does it matter if if an owner invests in his club? Well, we wouldn't we wouldn't expect yeah these. Having had a glance at the replies, it's just a fetid cesspool dumpster fire of disaster. Um, so let's let's get right to the game to save ourselves from that nonsense. Um, I think this could aptly be put City 3-1 over West Ham. Um, so three more points, nine out of nine. All is well. But again, a tale of two halves. The first half was... As good as we've seen, um, they could have been four up at halftime. The second half was being pegged back relatively early and then sort of nervy the rest of the way again. Um, so let's talk about the first half first. How good were we? Because that was... Um, Niall Quinn on Sky apparently called it Shangri-La football. And what I'm not entirely that? sure what that's supposed to mean, but... I think it's a compliment. Can we also pause for a second of speaking of Shangri-La? Does anyone remember when Manuel Pellegrini was supposedly like having all of these top jobs and now Milan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hamilton. And now he's at like Herbie. Herbie China Fortune, I think is yeah. the name of it. Well, Herbie good luck China. to him. Well, I, hope he, I hope he does well. This is the thing, though, like. I'm not here to talk crap on Manuel. I truthfully want to know what happened. Like, because as much as I have my disagreements with Manuel and we've had our disagreements that he doesn't know sessions. about. Yeah, he wasn't present for them, but we've we've had some very heated conversations in my living room. Um, but. What I want to know is is and I, and I and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I think he's a bit better than that job. Why the hell is he there? I think you're right. I mean, I thought he would get the. I thought he would be a good shot for the Villarreal job when it came available, but they went in a different direction. Um, you know, I think he could do fine. He could have done fine at sort of a a middle to higher end job in Spain. He would have done better than Gary Neville at Valencia. Did you, put that did out you think that Pellegrini's refusal to change anything, even when everybody could see it was falling apart for City, may have put a damper in 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 future club? Like I don't know. I think it might have been as simple as he wanted to be compensated, like he was, like at at City, and no one was going to do that for him. Hey, he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. He, I don't think he does, but at the same time, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't it's know. interesting. It is. But but let's let's talk about the the first half of the the West Ham game because I think for forty five minutes we saw Guardiola's vision for Manchester City. To be frank, yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty clear that. Um, this team is coming together. Um, 
it sort of goes back to what inspired, you know, you said we were going to talk about the Liverpool fan thing, but the comment that inspired the barrage of Liverpool fan players is I was looking at the the, the noticeable changes to Raheem's game, and, and certainly you look at that last goal down at the end where, oh, man, like and this, this wasn't in the first half, which is what we're supposed to be talking about, but stick with me here. It's okay. It's, it's a sterling conversation. You you look down at 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 that last goal he scored for for City and that thing was a work of art. You know, uh, it, it required all those things. He's he's shown. Uh, I'm not gonna say problems with, but maybe minor issues with patience, composure, pinpoint accuracy, more or less. You know, trying to be a clinical finisher. And all of those things were on display there. But you look at, and this is to speak nothing of Klopp, because I do think that Klopp, one of the absurd comments from somebody was uh, that, that Klopp is a better developer of youth talent than Guardiola. And I'm like, on what planet? Um, I think the evidence for I, look, man, Klopp is an, a tremendous developer of youth talent, but Jurgen Klopp just simply has not produced anything of the quality that Guardiola has. Jurgen Klopp doesn't have a Busquets to his name. Jurgen Klopp does not have a Lionel Messi to his name. Jurgen Klopp does not have. Uh, uh, Gerard Piquet to his name. You know, th- th- these are things that Jurgen Klopp had. He did develop Royce. He did develop Boateng, or excuse me, uh, Goetze. But Goetze's kind of stalled yeah, out, hasn't he? Goetze's kind of stalled out, hasn't he? And Royce can't seem to stay healthy. Royce hasn't participated for Germany in anything meaningful. The entire reign that Germany have had, Royce has basically been absent for it. Germany was basically Guardiola's team. Because, yeah. of, I mean, it was Bayern, of course, but... Um, they yeah. structured it based on what Guardiola was doing. So you watched much- them even at the most recent Euros, and you could see a lot of the hallmarks. And, and, I, and I, I proposed a question. It was something simple. I say, if you look at where Liverpool's con- struggles are right now with the inconsistency, um, you know, when you look at the situation Raheem Sterling was in when he left Liverpool, hindsight being what it is, can anyone possibly say that having stayed at Liverpool would have been the best thing for Sterling? I don't think so. No, because Brendan it's hard, Rogers, for, hard for them to admit, but <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, you know, was hanging out there for another six months before he got the sack. Um, that would have stifled Raheem's, you know, confidence and development even more. And then Klopp comes along, and and Raheem might have seen a resurgence, but he, he would have been properly lambasted for not being you know, the guy when Sturridge couldn't step up or when Sturridge wasn't available or, you know, so on and so forth. We all know that Raheem Sterling would have gotten the stick for some of this stuff. It's just, you don't need to know it to know it. And and yet, you look at where Liverpool is at this season, and the season's still young, but those inconsistencies are still there. Liverpool writers are still writing about them. Liverpool fans are still complaining about them. These are their own words. And yet Raheem Sterling under Pep Guardiola has basically reached the moon. Very quickly. Yeah, very, very quickly. Now, he still has – he was really good in the first half of last season and then tailed off. I I think a lot of that had to do with Pellegrini completely having a hands-off approach in development. I do not think Guardiola is going to let Sterling lose his confidence like Manuel was content to sit back and do. And you know one thing I would like if I ever had a chance to ask Damocles, who's like the the City Watch pilot. I'm working on that. I know. I know we're working on it. I don't want to let too many cats out of the bag. But if we have him on – he is, if you're not familiar, the uh, the tactical guru 
that um, City Watch have, have for their re- uh, semi-regular tactical analysis podcasts. And um, we're hoping to have him on at some point. But if we do, the first question I'm going to ask him is, what exactly were Pellegrini's tactics? Because I would like to understand. Um, and I, I think that was a part of it. Um, completely different. He looks so confident. It's, and I think that's a big part of it, too. But that's you know. I brought up the, 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 the third goal as sort of my starting place for it is because I think it... And, and, you know, we did have an example of, like, things he has to work on. The finish that he didn't get a couple minutes before oh, that was, uh, frankly, easier than the one he actually finished. So <laughs> it's... Isn't it crazy, too? Because he misses those sitters. And then I was thinking about the, the goal against Gladback, where I'm like, look, man, Raheem made it look easy. But the way he had to open up his body and curl that around the keeper at the just right, you know, hit that thing just right so that it does both. Look, that wasn't that wasn't an, an, an easy shot. It is a shot somebody of his talent level should be making. So you're thrilled to see that. But, yeah, you make a fantastic point. Like three minutes earlier, you're like, dude. What the hell? So there's there's just still, you know. A bit more consistency in the finishing, which has always kind of been the biggest knock on him. But, you know, obviously the talent is there. I'm not terribly worried about it. And you can see already his comments after the game were the the manager has given he's you know, he's just joked. I've heard the word reborn so much, but the manager has given us so much confidence and it's 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 great. This is exactly what they needed. Um, So I was really impressed with him. And. While we're on the topic of the first half in particular, um, can can we get a couple words in? Because we've been talking a lot about Kevin De Bruyne, about you know how he's not quite fitting in, how everything's a bit off the pace. I thought he was fantastic today. He had, not just the set piece deliveries, but when he got space to run, he probably should have scored. Um, you know, it was much closer to what we saw. Can I ask you a question since you brought up De Bruyne? Do you think that – I mean, I know we both agreed that it was a timing and a clicking thing, but it seems to me – and what spawned my question was you mentioning Silva and then also bringing up space – it seems to me like he and Silva are starting to get a little bit better about not occupying the same space at the same time. Like – they're un- they're beginning to understand that even though they essentially serve the same role, they can negate each other if they're both trying to do it at the same time. It's like two people trying to tie one shoelace. It's not you're making a job 20 times as hard. So the question I'm wondering here is, do you think that this is because he's getting more space or do you think it's because he's settling in? Like, because I'm not sure if he should still be up there alone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I could use a cop-out answer and say that it's a th- I think it might be a bit of both. That um, looked to me like they were kind of swapping a little bit today. Like, just sort of one would lie deeper and one would lo- go a bit further forward. I mean, d- particularly during the first half, Silva was just that constant destroying the the uh, left side of West Ham's defense, going to the byline cutback. That's how they got the first goal. They almost got two or three other goals just from that singular move that West Ham were really struggling to prevent. Um, and, and through all that, De Bruyne seemed to be lying a bit deeper, a bit more comfortably, getting a bit more space to operate in, and getting time on the ball to run and to pass. And, you know, his... The set piece delivery was just out of this world, um, not just on the goal, which obviously was, but there were a couple others that were just fantastic. But, you know, I think. Is it time to start putting him not in Payette's category, but in a, one right, like right below it, like maybe it's very close to it in, yeah. in a Channel glue category? Very close you know? to it, yeah, because he was so consistently brilliant. It wasn't just like he had one good ball in and a few other bad ones. No, he was repeatedly putting it right where it needed to be. And, you know, what an enormous threat that is to have in your 11, if you can you can offer that. Um, and, you know, I, 
I just, I just thought talk about his pinpoint ball, the fricking Aguero the other day too. Yeah. He was very good at at the Stoke game too. I think he's just frankly getting used to where they want him to be because he was in the middle of everything today. I thought most everything. Um, And it was proof that him and Silva, I think can both play well in the same side because they did. Silva was fantastic. And so I'm, you know, did West Ham defend all that great? No, but they... Did Zinho seem to struggle to you today? Um... Not... I wouldn't, yeah. Let, 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 me, let me retrace and rephrase that in a different way. Compared to the level of play that we've been used to seeing out of him for the past couple of weeks, did today feel like a slightly less than spectacular performance. Not that those aren't going to lower, happen. Yeah, lower key yeah. performance, I think. It was sort of... I think it was, was so dumb. Yeah, it was. It was kind of some bad habits that he picked up last year, because he did that a lot last year. They kind of started to slip in. Um, I thought he was a little more lower key. I thought that he... he cont- I thought he played... Okay, I think he might have been deferring to uh, the guys a little bit further forward, in a certain sense. And you know, I, he didn't play badly. There was a little bit of unselfishness uh, going on today, and I think City need to find the right balance between being selfish and being unselfish. Because there are times when you're like just past that one, and then earlier today it was like David, just shoot that ball. Right. Well, that's a thing that comes up with Silva a lot, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We even spent a little bit of time talking about that. Um, but uh, moving on in the game, because things were going well. So well. Then John Stones came off. Yeah, so uh, well, let's skip ahead to the second half, because that seems to be where we're going. Well, well, I well mean, do you have any other first half matters that that are that are important? I don't really. They played really well. And yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a, a fantastic lot, first half. It, it is frankly a lot easier to uh, to 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 delve into a, a shaky performance than it is a really good performance. So um, there's not a lot to say about the first half other than they that was I think very close to the vision that Guardiola ultimately has for them. They could have been out of sight by halftime. They really could have, and I think it, it the thing that... People, kind of a recurring problem, because we've been saying that a lot, but they never have been. You know what's crazy to me, and I'm going to say this before I forget it, and, and then we can move on to the second half, is is I've, I've been hearing a lot of these pundits and such, and they talk about, uh, you know, oh, how's Pep style going to play out? How's Pep style going to play out? You know, can, can you keep up the demand of that over four games? And... I think that there's you'll appreciate this because, you know, you you being a college football guy, you know, a little something about the idea of teams having almost no time of possession, but that not really mattering, you know, right? Like you look at a team like Oregon, they'll frankly, they don't give a damn if they ever win the time of possession battle. They just don't care. Um, It's ingrained into their style of play. And West Virginia, uh, well, now at Arizona, well, he was, he just got fired. But uh, West Virginia used to have a defensive coordinator by the name of Jeff Castile. And he is the one that sort of came up with the, uh, the sort of uh, the, 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 the three, three, five scheme, you know, <laughs> this ridiculously loaded backfield with virtually no pressure, no linebackers, whatever the case may be. And it's somewhat akin on a, on a, in a flip sense, because this was a defensive formation and going forward, Guardiola uses it as an offensive formation. But what the principle of this, uh, you know, Castile's defense was, is that he didn't give a damn what he gave up between the, 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 between the first 80 yards, you know, 20 and 20, he didn't care. But once you got down there into that red zone, you weren't going any further. You were going to go backwards. 
And it doesn't take an enormous amount of physical energy to play that type of, uh, of defense. What it takes is an enormous amount of mental energy. When people talk about Guardiola's tactics and can his pressing sustain in the Premier League, I think a lot of them don't seem to understand that much of his pressing works off the basis that players are already in position to cut off those outlet routes. It's not like they're running over there and shutting them down. They're already physically present. The guys have nowhere to go with the ball because the numbers were all committed forward. That's why you see a harried five to six second frenzy where City win the ball back and then they recycle it back out. Spending six seconds of your energy to win the ball back out, trust me, the other team is going to become way more tired uh, before City do, uh, regardless of the age of their players. Now, I'll admit that the depressing does take a toll on your body. Yeah, I I think this is my final point. I think people just need to learn the difference between Gagan pressing and what Guardiola does is pressing because they're two different things. I have a question based on this that just sort of popped into my mind that I would like to ask you that sort of leads into the second half discussion. We have seen basically in all three games so far, they played well. They played their best against Sunderland in the first half and then sort of let them back into the game. They played very well against Stoke in the first half and then there was sort of a nervier finish. They played fantastically against West Ham today, and then the second half was a bit more edgy. Do you think that they are still coming to grips with the fitness levels required of them from Guardiola's system, and is that a reason that their second halves have been a little bit less inferior to the first half so far in the Premier League? No, I don't think so, actually. I think physically the players look fine. Like, they don't look exhausted to me. This time last year, you saw guys with their hands on their knees, like, sucking wind. These guys aren't showing that. I, I, I think the problem is right now is that City don't have the depth that they'd like to have to put the fear of God in. Okay, so let's say... Because Sterling is going to have a bad game, right? Like, as good of a run as Sterling is on, you you know, the law of averages dictates that he'll have a down game. Everyone will at some point. Right. Himself included. Right. When that happens, what are City's options? Right now, if there were no international break, what's their option? Um, as in, like, on the bench or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sane probably. Who's no, no. Not, oh, are we not counting him as fit yet? Nope. He was. Okay. He wasn't on today. Well, if you're, well, you say not, not counting the national break. It sounds like he'll be fit going forward. Yeah, but I'm but saying. To- if you okay from the team today. Mm-hmm. Okay then. Yeah, you have Nasri then. Okay, and and he's not exactly in the plans. <laughs> well, more to the point, Nasri's much better on the left hand side and. Right. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, so you, you, you look at that and you say, okay, the, the, you know, Nasri or Navas are going to come off the bench. That's a different proposition than having to worry about Nolito, who is opening up his bank account and making deposits every other day now. Um, and, 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 and Sane, and, and you've got guys like Gundawan, like when you can spell out your midfield with guys like Toure and Delph and such, I think that's when City are going to have more dominant second halves. Once they get through this and they shed whatever weight they're going to shed, because you got to also remember how many of these opportunities today uh, were blown by Caballero's, not that he did an awful job, but we everybody on Earth knows that Bravo is 50 million times better at distribution. Yeah, I'm a bit tired of watching Caballero try to play this style. Right. How many opportunities were left on the table for potential breaks? That- Too many. Okay, so knowing that Bravo is going to come in and ameliorate some of that, there are going to be more opportunities in the early going going forward, and that's how Pep's teams won a lot of their games. It's not like they got to halftime 
time at, you know, zero, zero, like they beat the out of the other team. And then, you know, towards the end of the second half, these guys like the Nolitos and the Jesus novices of the world come on. And by then it's just like, oh, to hell with it. We can't even stop these guys. I just, I think the fitness is there. Maybe one or two guys are still struggling with it and they may just permanently struggle with it. But I think overall the fitness is there. City just need the depth and more practice. But if you look at all the games they've played and what were supposed to be relatively tough tests, even if there have been edgy moments, have you ever truly felt like City, like, oh, crap, we could lose this game or we're going to die? No, it's a completely different feeling from last year. Uh Uh-huh. Even with a one-goal lead in those games when City were only up by one, did you have the same feeling you had when Pellegrini was in charge? No. Even today it felt like, you know, I think, you know, when it was 2-1 in those last 10, 15 minutes, it felt like City getting a third was likelier than West Ham getting an equalizer. Because they, they didn't get at Gabriero that much. No. And the one that they honestly did get was was right. yeah, it was kind of a lapse. Um but I I just I I don't think City's problems right now are fitness or anything like that. I just No, that's completely fair. The posse. Once that's the completely posse fair. gets there, this thing is going to open up like people wouldn't believe. And I think the whole reason that Guardiola is doing it the way he's doing it is because he learned a lot from his time at Bayern and how trying to rush some of those players back from injury inevitably led to worse things. And he's a smart enough man to realize that those then later compounded into bigger problems, you know, like the, yeah. the out with 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 Wolfhart, Miller Wolfhart, etc. So I think that there's a bit of aging, a bit of wisdom, and a bit of common sense here where Guardiola is saying, Vinny, take your time. Like if if it's nine months that you need, then take it. Like I I just think that the city are waiting for the squad to come back, and when it comes back, I don't know that there is a team in the Premier League that has the depth across the board to accompany there are some great managers in the premier league guys who can beat guardiola heads up but the question is do they have the depth on their bench to 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 go at it with him over the hall of 90 minutes i don't know yeah that's that's fair and i wanted to ask the question because there is a lot demanded of them and it, it was a i thought it was a decent question to ask and i would also note that in every Premier League game, they have scored a late goal, at least one, two, in fact, against Stoke. So they do get chances toward the end, and they have finished them off, generally, by and large. So, yeah, I thought I thought that the goal they conceded was poor and preventable, and it was not really the result of any sort of great play by West Ham. Yeah. Um, but like you said, as wasn't even like though— Stokes. Right. It, but like you said, even though they were pl- they played at two one for pretty much the last half hour thirty five minutes, it never felt like there was this imminent danger that they were about to be hit back, and it never felt like because they didn't get at Caballero a ton, they just didn't really you know it was not this sort of constant threat that West Ham were laying at the feet of the defense. So, you know, I find that encouraging because, you know, when you watched under Pellegrini last year in particular, it was an instance of, you know, every every time that the opponent went forward, it felt like someone was about to make a mistake and something bad was about to happen. That feeling is gone this year. And I'm, and I'm pleased that the defense seems to have a bit more about it, just tactically. It's a huge part of it. And, you know, I'd be curious to hear any of your thoughts on the second half that we haven't already covered. But frankly, you know, they were shaky. They were nervy. They did seem to, like, I don't want to say be surprised to find themselves in that position, but there was sort of a an area where they sort of had to, like, collect themselves, I thought, and get it together. 
Um, but they weathered it, and I, it wasn't this enormous storm either that I, I felt. So, you know, generally I'm, I'm happy with the performance overall, and I, if you have any extra thoughts on the second half, I'd be interested to hear them. No, I don't. I, I, I mean, they, they weathered it, but it's like you said, there just weren't any periods where I felt like the game was going to get away from City, or if West Ham did equalize by some, you know, either just really dumb mistake by a defender, a pointlessly dumb mistake, or a fluke, or something, just like a, a, a redirect, or, or you know, just some of those things that are unpreventable. I just never really felt like City were going to lose that game. And even if West Ham had scored, like I was saying, I got the sense that City could go down there and grab another one. And that Guardiola would. Like, to be perfectly fair, that game really should have been over already. Like, Silva hit the woodwork. I mean, it, it, it should have been done. It should have been buried. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There, there were two or three chances to put this game away before, you know, it came down to that. So I kind of, it's like they say, it, it was always coming, right? It, it, just, it just came a little bit later than I think City expected. And, yeah. But the good sign is, the only thing that I will say, and we can move on, you know, you, you, you talk about, not really stressing out about that. The biggest thing that I'd say you could take away from this is that the players seem to sense that too. And that's, that's part of buying into the philosophy. This same team last year collapses in this game. Yeah. This year, yeah. Not even a second thought. They knew what to do. They knew how to finish it out. Or at the very least, they end the game clinging on like 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 they're, they're clinging to a tree in a tornado. They weren't at the end. It ne- never felt like that. No. And, and I think Guardiola has them inspired to know that if something does happen and they're short on time, they still have the personnel and he has the ability as a coach to put them in a position to get the goal they need to win. And I do believe that if West Ham would have scored, scored Guardiola would have found a way to, to put another goal on there. Like, maybe the next sub becomes Kalechi Iannaccio instead of Fernando, you know? like Yeah, know. that's... Yeah, absolutely. Um, and And... I had a thought, and I just lost it. So let's. <laughs> uh, I, I, all that's really important is, real. is that confidence is building within this organization and within this team, and I'm okay with that. Like that's what you want. These are the things that you want to see, and the fact that they're happening so freaking early in 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 the season is a testament to why City spent you know, four years trying to track down Guardiola and, and, and make him their manager. Like it, you're starting to see why they obsessed over landing this man. We were talking about Sterling's confidence. And he said after the game that Guardiola even had a go at him for not dribbling enough. So that's, it's completely different game. Um, so here's the question is Sergio Aguero in danger of missing the Manchester Derby? I don't believe so. Why do you think that? Because I think that the FA knows that this is, by all rights necessary, uh, the game of the week. And that viewing for this game could game be... Game of the through, month, I would say. Yeah, the viewing for this could be through the roof. The implications for this could be expansive, even though it's early. It could still have far-reaching consequences. And, um, look, man, Sergio Aguero's not a repeat offender. Did he make a dumb decision? Yeah, he did. Should he be punished? Yeah, he should. Maybe a fine. Um, but, uh, this isn't the type of guy, uh, that does this stuff that often. And I think that should be taken into account. And more importantly, if, if, if you're a fan 
do you not want to see Aguero going up against Zlatan? Like, isn't this what the Premier League has been billing that they have coming? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Why? I would also, I yeah. I would that. I would also say that, you know, it's hard to imagine that the referee, you know, that the way the, the FA looks at these things is like, did he see it? You know, if, if the, it's hard to, considering it was a play on the ball, it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't, you know, the referee wasn't looking in that direction when it happened. Um, and, you know, Aguero is not a repeat offender, but he does have this side that plays close to the edge. He didn't get suspended. He didn't get punished for the, uh, the David Luiz stomp in the FA Cup semifinal a couple years back either. Um, but, you know, if they, if the, if the ref was a judge to have seen it, you know, I don't, I don't know. Then he probably, he doesn't get anything from it. Um, I will say that if he doesn't get a ban, then uh, we'll have our first chance probably of seeing Mourinho go full Mourinho over this, which will be brilliant. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about the 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 inevitability because you know he won't let it go. No, no, he'll have something no. to say about it. He's he's gonna he's gonna bring out the full petty and be like, but I wanted to face them without their best player. The, in the whole, you know, every every time, you know, I think it was a quote that he said after the Super Cup a few years back when his Chelsea played. Every every time I I play. Uh, Guardiola, it seems like there's a football rule that I have to end with less players than his team. And so, I, you know, something along those lines, I'm sure, will pop out because he'll start working the FA and working the officials and yada, yada, yada. I I look forward to it. It'll I've be a nice, nice, fun time. I've noticed that hammering the officials in the Premier League doesn't exactly, like, produce the desired results though you know it's sort of like arguing with a major league umpire like has anyone ever seen anybody win of course not no and i know for all the talk about how you know well it influences them to give you things and no it doesn't it doesn't change anything dude if that were me and some dude spent i don't know 10 five minutes just like yelling in my ear for like the, ne- the the remainder of that game, anything borderline, I'm given in favor of the other team just because he pissed me off. Straight yeah. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we seem to agree that that this is sort of going to be. Either way, it's going to be a it's sort of an unnecessary talking point. But I don't I don't think that. I, I think that they'll 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 find a way to uh, to to not punish him. Um, so let's talk because I was surprised not only to, to see Samir Nasri on the bench today, but he got into the game, which is evidence that once again the Turkish media doesn't know what they're talking about. And that move to Besiktas is apparently not as close as it was supposedly. Um, you you wanted to talk about a point like. The, the outgoings, there's generally a a five a set of five players at, at where we sit right now that, for to varying degrees, may or may not be moved on, but I think would be there was a willingness to move them on, and those are Joe Hart on loan probably, um, uh, Wilfred Bonney, Mangala, Nasri, and Torre. What are we're we're getting very close to the deadline, and you said something about you know maybe at least one or two or maybe of these guys might not be shoved out the door as quickly as we seem to think. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, man. Like I, I everybody pretty much universally agrees at least in a philosophical sense that Sammy Nasri would be the ideal player for Guardiola but we also know that Sammy Nasri's mouth is the type of thing that Guardiola despises and so 
you almost figured that one was headed, you know, to a result favoring Guardiola just simply because, well, you know, you know, Nasri's not really been healthy. Um, he hasn't repeated, uh, you know, the the season he had for Arsenal prior to City picking him up. Like, they're, they're, they, City haven't gotten anything close to that. Um. And and I think that, as it seems to be with a lot of Frenchmen, uh, they play when they feel like it. It is really weird. Um, they just sort of jump in there when they actually feel like it. Uh, and I actually love the French. Like, but now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, yeah, I mean, you got Pogba, who sometimes he influences himself on games, and other times he doesn't. You've got Olivier Giroud, who can apparently light up the world at the Euros, but put him back in an Arsenal kit, and the man just shuts up shop. I, I mean, it's Blaise Matuidi can can seem to do no wrong for PSG, but put him in a Paris uniform and goes right out the window. I just, they are one of the more oddly consistent bunch. Uh, so uh, I I don't know I don't I don't know what what Guardiola wants to do with Sammy Nasri and maybe today was a chance for Guardiola to see him at a time when if he decided to take the playoff or decided to go out there and give anything less than a hundred percent West Ham were going to equalize. Right. And you, and it's the sort of thing that we, I still think he's moved on. I think they'll find a way to move him on because, but I think it's the case again, where Guardiola is going to demand a hundred percent commitment. And he sort of implied it in his post game comments because he was asked about Nazarene. He said, he can stay. It depends on him if he wants to help us and stay to be a part of something. And I don't think that's just meaning, well, if he wants to stay, then he can stay. I think it means if he wants to stay and put in the effort and put in the, the, the graft and the time and the work rate to be what I demand, then he can stay. And if he doesn't, he can go. And it's the sort of the same principle that we're working with with Yaya Torre in that, you know, I think they both want to stay, all things considered, but I think Guardiola has kind of put out an ultimatum. If you want to stay, then here's what you got to do. And if you don't do it, then bye, you know. Yeah, but I think Nasri's might be more capable of doing it than Yaya. Oh, I think Nasri is more capable of doing it than Yaya, absolutely. But I think the ultimatum is generally the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put up or shut up, basically. So, but my question out of that was going to be, do you think that this is a case where possibly Yaya and Nasri are competing for that last spot? I wouldn't be surprised, actually. Um, because, you, you look, Bonnie and Mangala have played no part in any competitive games. They're out the door. They're gone in some way, shape, or, or form. They're not in his plans. Hart, obviously, we've belabored that point enough. We don't need to go back into it. They'll loan him out if they can find a taker. Um, and if they don't, then he's going to sit on the bench if he even makes the bench. And so then you get to the other two who I think are roughly, you know, they're in their own little camp of, well, you two have the quality, we think. You two have, you know, the desire to stay, we think. We haven't heard anything otherwise. Um, Torre seems to have stated that he would like to stay if all things are equal. And Nasri was very vocal before Guardiola's appointment that, you know, he will love me. I'm perfect for him. I can't wait to play under him. I want to stay. So all told, it sounds like we have two players who have the quality, Nasri more so, I think, who want to stay. And it is simply a matter of they have been both criticized in the past for sort of inconsistent work rates, not giving it 100%, not their, their play is inconsistent, their work rate is inconsistent, just a lot of inconsistency. And Guardiola seems to have sort of delivered this ultimatum to both of them that, all right, you're either going to give 100% of the, of what you have for me and the team all the time, 
or you're not going to get the chance. You know, there's no two, there's no middle ground here. There's no two ways about it. And I think that, frankly, it is, it's, it's up to them. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was sort of, you know, that we got, you got two guys here who are, frankly, going to be fighting for their spot. And I think it was interesting because Torrey played a part in the preseason. He started at midweek. Nasri hasn't gotten any of that. He just came off the bench today. So I think Nasri was always on the outside looking in and much more likely to be moved on. And I would say still is. But, you know, we agree that he has the sort of qualities that could help a team like this and help the manager. But it's down to him. That's where it's at right now. So, you know, I, th- I think that you are, you might be onto something. Ooh, but you know what else I was on to? What's that? You remember when I said that I thought John Stones was going to be moved into central defensive midfield? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You could say that. So, uh, what happened today? Where where was John yeah, Stones he was, playing? Yeah, I they did that. I saw that on the halftime analysis, which was very good, by the way, of the build up to the first goal, where Stones was just sort of stepping up into midfield and directing Fernandinho. You know, get back there. I'm taking this, and. You know, I never doubted he could do it. And it's, it's that sort of positional fluidity that we've talked about at length, I think, uh-huh. that's just sort of coming into yeah, play. Yeah, but, but I, I am saying that I think Guardiola has going to become enamored with Stones and sees him as something better than a center back. Like, look, there's nothing, to, there's nothing wrong with being a world-class center back. But I think that Guardiola looks at John Stones, sees the intelligence, the footballing brain, and says, I can make this guy more than a center back. I can turn this guy into a dominating force. His center backs are glorified midfielders anyway. Yep. So, you know, I, it wouldn't shock me. Um, at the same time, I think he'll want a PK back there. He will, but I think that's why he wanted Laporte and Stones. If right. He, well, honest. I think if Laporte's here, he's playing the role that Kolarov has been playing right now. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, and I think that it, you know they might not be done going in for center backs because I'm not sure Otamendi's long term future is at Manchester City. Well, they're done this not, year. not in this window, but in the yeah. you know next summer I th- is what I meant. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I could I can see it. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen right away. What but, changes between this year and next year in terms of center backs? Like, let's just theoretically play this out. If you're Manchester City, who do you pick up next year? Like, well, I don't know, and I'm not. Center, center backs are kind of. More, at a, at a, it was more of a theoretical thought than any sort of specific. I know. I'm just kind of curious here because. A lot of the guys that that City were going to be going after just inked up new contracts, right? Like, I mean, Hummels wasn't necessarily a City target, but he just inked a new contract to play for Bayern. And we know that Hummels ain't going anywhere. He'll retire there. Um, What's his bucket? Laporte just read up at Bilbao. And if any team absolutely decides they have to have him, they're going to pay. Now, whether or not Guardiola can convince Mansoor or Khaldun to do that, I, I, I think is a different story. But um, I, I'm, I was thinking about this last night, and I'm trying to figure out where these center backs are going to come from in the future. And I, I mean, they got guys like Tosin and such that they, you know, have in the academy, and I'm sure those are the guys you ultimately want to promote and put into that position rather than go out and buy people. But if you're strictly going out on the market looking for center backs, I feel like you're in a middle market right now, like we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's why I don't I don't have any any specifics, but it's why, you know, things change in this in a year. Who knows? Um, But, you know, if there is someone available that Guardiola would like then yeah, I can definitely see, you know, Altamendi being moved on. And if company has another year where he just can't stay fit, then I don't think that they'll belabor the point. But, you Nor know. they, to be honest. And yeah. I, 
want to be crass, but if he starts falling apart again, I think, you know, it's it's time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, roughly sums up my thoughts on the, uh, but, so, um, before we wrap up, do you have any extra thoughts on anything that we have talked about or anything that you would like to talk about before we get to the question of the day? Hmm. Well, apparently Aguero would miss the Manchester Derby, Swansea Cup, and Bournemouth game if he gets the standard three-match ban. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we will, but deeply disappointing. Um, I guess the only thing that I would add is, is that, um, this team right now, to me, feel like they're on the verge of becoming really great. But the, but the thing about really great teams is that it intends to it tends to inspire more confidence in some than it ought to. And when you have people on your books with the kind of wages they're earning at City, you see where I'm going with this. Um, right. right. You have to make sure that complacency doesn't set in. And. At the end of the day, Guardiola will do what he can. But the competition is such that in the Premier League, um, I don't know if you can have the same impact by sending messages of benching people. You can. I mean, it's totally, I mean, benching people's always been an option, and it's not catastrophic. But if you're using long benching periods as a means to, like, convey a message, uh, this league will eat you alive, and in no time flat, you could discover that your problem child has now left you six points behind the leader, you know, with only ten games to play. And uh, it's just going to be really important for City to continue to grow as a family unit with these, you know, team celebrations, team dining, team this, team that. It's just important that City continue to focus on that. Because when the accolades come, and they will, there are going to be people who know how to deal with it, and then there are going to be people who let it get to their head. And I am just hoping that by that time, City players will have seen and heard enough from Guardiola about what is possible in the future that the decision they make will be the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll close this out with, um, well, we... We have some plans for the next couple weeks, and you'll hear from us before the international break is over. We'll do a Derby preview at some point. We'll have some other stuff. The transfer window is going to close. We'll be around and about. So um, close this out. Here's here's your question. Here's here's what we want you to ponder. Which city player is going to get hurt during playing international football? And how serious will it be? I'm not even. I'm not even going to bother with the pretense of will someone? Yeah, someone's going to get hurt. It always happens. Um, this is how we roll. That's tricky to answer without knowing everybody's schedule. But my biggest worries are De Bruyne. I don't think Aguero will get injured because he simply just doesn't play enough for Argentina. Um, knock on wood. <laughs> um, I uh, They gave Fernandinho. He's not going to be even going, so that's kind of awesome. What What's Sané? Is he going? Um, I don't know. 
Son is a guy that would worry me. Yeah, I just I don't know if, if Germany has announced their oh no Sane, no Sane, okay. no Gundogan, no Sane, no Gundogan. That makes me happy. Um, as long as it's not Stones. Sterling. Sterling to pick up a hamstring injury. Yes. Because the universe hates us. Stones or Sterling, then then I'm okay. That's my, that's my call. Error. I hope I'm wrong, obviously, but that's my call. Hmm. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, so, with that all in mind, um, that about does it for us this week. We will... We'll be back at some point, some form or another. We have some guests coming on. We're going to work on some stuff. Um, so we are not done. We will not just go into hiding over the national break. We'll do a, a podcast or two or three. Um, so watch out for that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. Um, join in with the Liverpool fan, Flaymore. Um if you would, if you are so inclined, um, we are on Blog Talk Radio. You can subscribe to us on iTunes as well. So we appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your support. We'll. Um, oh, um, did have you gotten the the shout out from the cap cap city, uh, the capital city, the DC? Uh, branch because i know that there was something going on there and they wanted to mention us to mention it yes so yes Yes. whatever Um, you have basically uh the the chairman of capital city blues in washington dc uh matthew i'm gonna bastardize his last name here but i think it's either ide or Idy. uh they had a member who uh, passed away, uh, died suddenly, um, and they are trying to raise money to help his family with uh, with burial costs. Uh, and they will be hosting a fundraiser on the 10th of September with the United and Arsenal supporters uh, in an effort to raise money uh, in David's honor. So I encourage absolutely anybody who's in the D.C. area to get at those cats. Uh, like I said, his name is Matt. You can follow Capital City Blues at Cap City Blues, uh, spelled all as it sounds. And uh, he's a really nice guy, Uh but uh, yeah, they're 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 trying to put something together together to uh, defray some of the costs that a family has to endure when they lose a young one, uh, a loved one tra- at such a tragically young age. Um, so if you can make any contributions, or if if you want to get in touch with them uh, to come hang out, watch a game, and, and let your money go to a good cause, uh, and also clown. Uh, so I don't even know why Arsenal fans are showing up to the Derby, but, you know, I mean, it's awesome. I know exactly why they're showing up, is it's because it's for David, but, you know, it's, it's like... Seems very odd. Um, not complaining, though. No, no, not at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. So take the opportunity for them. To, to take the opportunity to 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 go there, throw in, participate in the fundraiser. I'm sure there's going to be an auction there, and and maybe you'll win the chance to heckle uh, mercilessly either a United or an Arsenal fan. And there's not much better than that, except for attacking like 50 million Liverpool players, uh, supporters on Twitter. That's the only thing I can think of that brings me as much joy. So it's for a great cause. It's for a great man. 
and it's for a great club. Uh, so please get in touch with Cap City Blues and find out what you can do to help. Once again, his name is Matthew 80. Uh, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the last name, but Cap City Blues. C-A-P-C-I-T-Y-B-L-U-E-S. Absolutely. So you're going to want, we'll, uh, well, we, we're glad we made remembered to make a mention of that. Um, so with that in mind, we will talk to you at some point during the international breaks. Thanks for listening. Um, this has been American Citizens. We'll talk to you again soon.